0: I funded the search myself, and then once I found the company, then I went and found
1: investors to help support the buyout. And that company ultimately turned out to be Eddington Kayaks. Excellence, professionalism, innovation, and collegiality. These are the values the Sam and Walton College of Business explores in education, business, and the lives of people we meet every day. I'm Matt Waller, Dean of the Walton College, and welcome to the Be Epic Podcast. I have with me today, Scott Holly, who's president at Eddyline Kayaks. Thank you so much for joining me today. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you today. I appreciate the invitation. Scott, I'm I'm really impressed with your career and your accomplishments. If you wouldn't mind, I'd like to start more current. So, I'd like to know how did you get involved with Northwest Arkansas? You know, uh, it's it's really
0: interesting, and I love telling this story because it it is pretty serendipitous uh, in reviewing it in hindsight, just seeing how so many different things lined up. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm the president of Eddie Line Kayaks. I've been with that company since 2017, and we have been in growth mode pretty much since the, the moment that I joined the company. In fact, preceding that, I uh, we were a 50-year-old growth company, which is kind of a unique story. But we have a great product, and we had a growing recognition in the marketplace, but what we didn't have was capacity for production and, importantly, capacity for distribution. Eddyline is headquartered in the other Northwest, the Northwest United States, Northwest Washington. And, as you can imagine, a great place to kayak, but a difficult place to build and distribute from when you're talking about distribution across the United States. So as we grew, we recognized that the greatest opportunities that we had were in the eastern US, uh, the upper Midwest, the New England states, the Mid-Atlantic, the Southeast, and then, uh, of course, the heartland. So as we began to grow, we focused first on our production capacity. We doubled our production capacity in Northwest Arkansas, and then we made a move to expand our production capacity internationally by opening up a facility in Mexico. What we came to realize that was that until we had a distribution center uh, somewhere within the eastern US that we were always going to be at a uh, competitive disadvantage to our competitors, who many of whom actually manufacture in the Southeast United States. So in talking with our distribution partners, our logistics providers, they recommended a general area of the country to begin to look for warehousing space for, for crosstalking and distribution. And one of those areas that they mentioned was Northwest Arkansas. Over a period of a, a handful of days, a number of really serendipitous serendipitous events happened. I called a friend who was a commercial real estate broker who who mentioned to another friend who was a kayaker that we were looking for space that person had just happened to have bought an eddie line kayak and so was already a fan of our our product and brand Uh, that person was actually gary vernon who uh, runs uh, the personal philanthropies for the the family foundation the walton family foundation and was actually looking to grow water trails and water access in the same way that they've done over the last decade in bikes. So literally within hours of that conversation, he's calling me on my cell phone and inviting me to Northwest Arkansas. Uh, and about a week or two later, I'm biking with with Gary. Uh, I like to joke with him that he told me he was going to take me on an easy bike ride. And I've since learned that Gary benchmarks easy bike rides a little bit differently than maybe other people would. So we we had a great day out on the trails, and ultimately that event led to conversations that um, uh, culminated in Eddie Line accepting a, uh, an investment in partnership with RZC, the family office of Tom and Stuart Walden, and then beginning in earnest to look for ways to grow our connection with and our presence in Northwest Arkansas. And that's been earlier this year. Obviously, there's there's a lot going on uh, in the marketplace. There's a lot going on with our company and with supply chains, and we're taking a deliberate approach, but we're very excited about the possibilities and the ideas that are beginning to come together around what this might ultimately look like. But Northwest Arkansas is just a t- tremendous place in and of itself, but uh, just from, you know, shared geography, it makes a lot of sense as a location for
1: us to have distribution and logistics capacity. Wow. wow. What a story. It is amazing. You know, so many guests I've had, I think we've published over 185 podcasts to date. but I'm always surprised how many serendipitous relationship stories there are. It really is a And it's something, you know, you relationships open up opportunities, but you've got to have something ready to leverage against that. Absolutely. Um, You know, and it, uh, but you're, and we're going to get to your background in a minute. You have such a broad background um, in consulting and finance. First, I'd like to uh, also talk about Eddie Line Kayaks. Could you tell, I I love water sports, kayaking, canoeing, and I've had different kinds of, of kayaks and canoes over the years, but love to hear. What makes Eddyline kayaks uh, unique and and uh, special?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, that, that's my favorite question to answer. Eddyline's been
0: around since 1971. It was founded by Tom Darer, who was an avid sea kayaker and a self-described hippie who, for whom business was a four-letter word. He started making kayaks with the legendary Werner Fuhrer. And at the time, the only way to do that was to uh, buy a mold out of Europe, have it shipped over, and then to defray the cost, you built one yourself, and then you built one for five or six friends. So that's what Tom did. And then after he built four or five, he had other people coming to him, hearing that he had a mold and knew how to make fiberglass uh, kayaks for uh, for whitewater at the time. And so he continued to do that and enjoyed it so much that he he accidentally fell into business. The company was privately held by the founders for 46 years. So in terms of what makes the company unique, there is no other company in the industry like that, where you have a 46 year legacy of heritage of a focus on design, service, and quality. There's a lot of brands that have been around that long, but most of them have been uh, become part of larger platforms, where there's been an increased focus on distribution and chasing after uh, fads and frankly chasing the market downstream towards lower quality, lower price point boats. So Eddyline is unique in that we are uh, a single brand, we continue to be privately held, and we are continued to focus on preserving the legacy and heritage of the founders, which is to make premium quality kayaks for the touring and recreational markets. Without ever sacrificing quality or service or our design. and
1: that's what does touring market mean?
0: Yeah, so it's it's interesting. there's a, a lot of different ways that you could break it up, but generally speaking, that would mean open water, ocean, large lakes, multi-day expedition, longer kayaks. So think sea kayaks that you would take for three to four days on open water in the ocean or in the Great Lakes that's that's generally what the touring
1: market refers to okay so recreational might be like going floating a river yeah i was uh out in arkansas a
0: couple months ago and i took three of our 10 foot sky 10 boats which are our entry-level recreation boats and i did a four hour float down sugar creek literally right out of the downtown area uh so that nice would be like, yeah, that would be an example of our recreational boats in a recreational use case.
1: You you should try um the Buffalo River next time you're here.
0: I have had that on the calendar and and uh have missed out on a couple of great opportunities to do that, but absolutely within the next 12 months that is very high on the list.
1: It it really is a beautiful river. Beautiful bluffs, waterfalls, Just uh, lots of wildlife, very, very pretty. In fact, when we moved here in 94, that actually, I guess it would have been May of 95 when I went for the first time. And we had a good rain. And I was just shocked at the beauty of the Buffalo River. Uh, Here being in the Mid-South, I I just, I didn't think there was any uh, landscape like that here and really, really enjoyed it. So one question I had for you about kayaks, maybe more specific, technical. So most of, I've done kayaking and um, canoeing, but with kayaking, I've seen people use kayaks on the lakes around here. I've never done that. It's always been floating a river, but I noticed one of them had a rudder on the back of it. And I looked at your website website. And I saw that you maybe recommend something other than a rudder. Is that right? You know, that's
0: interesting. If you uh, if you go to a, a a paddle sport industry conference and you want to start a brawl, you just go up to someone and and say that a a, a rudder is good or a rudder is bad or a skeg is good. And is that right? Is I never and, knew that. Yeah, it's uh, but but the the fact of the matter is that the a rudder on a boat. And again, so a rudder is uh, helps for steering and control of the vessel. And generally, it can be fully deployed or not deployed and sits on top of the stern of the boat and then is deployed from the cockpit. Rudders absolutely have use cases. there, And depending on the design of the boat and the type of water, it's absolutely a tool for a job. Eddyline Line has designed the majority of their boats around what's called a skeg system, which is a fixed rudder that can be deployed in degrees. So you can deploy it halfway or quarter way or three quarters. And it's, it's basically a, a fixed rudder that sits under, in a compartment underneath the kayak, and then through an adjustment uh, from the cockpit, the kayaker can, can choose to have it fully deployed, not deployed, halfway deployed, et cetera. So Eddie Linda has taken the, the position with the designs, with the particular designs that we use, that a skeg tends to work best for those designs. So I want to be uh, a little bit uh, you know, cautious in, in, in having too much religion against rudders because they're absolutely <laughs> a, a tool that gets the job done. And we
1: also uh, produce boats that, that come with rudders as well. And so with the skeg, uh, I guess if you want to go straight and you're in really calm water and lake, you could put it down further right
0: it helps with tracking absolutely uh and then it does avoid some of the drawbacks of a rudder which is uh, when when a rudder isn't deployed and it's sitting on top of the boat it can catch wind uh it's something hmm. that gets in the way of uh rear reentry there there's some reasons that you want to have clean decks on on the bow and the stern uh in a kayak but But there's some drawbacks to a skeg as well. The housing itself takes up some of the storage compartment and the rear bulkhead. So I don't, I want I want to make sure I'm giving giving (laughs) since I had the question, and and this will sit out there that I'm 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 giving a fair approach here.
1: Well, I didn't know I would be uh, picking on something that was controversial, but that, that 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 is very interesting. So Scott, I would like to know how you got interested in entrepreneurship. I know it happened early, like. Right when you're in college, I believe. Yeah, so I was I attended the University of Utah
0: as an undergraduate, and I was fortunate enough to be in the business school during the time where they were developing an entrepreneur center, which has since become the uh, Pierre Lassonde Entrepreneurship Institute at the University of Utah, which I understand has a great relationship with your college and has served as as in some ways a template for some of the programs that you've built as well. I was very fortunate to be the first uh, student director of the, the Lasan Center and helped work to get that set up and through that, got to know a lot of entrepreneurs that were very helpful in putting together our business plan competition and our technology commercialization program. And I was just incredibly impressed with what entrepreneurship could look like through that exposure. Um, I did coming out of college embark on a rather traditional career path at first. I'd say that I was an, an entrepreneur in in embryo without any great ideas, and also without necessarily much of an affinity towards or proclivity towards technology. So, a lot of times when you look at and think about traditional entrepreneurship, especially coming out of out of college, you're thinking about tech-based entrepreneurship. And that just wasn't something that appealed to me directly. That was uh, a little bit of of a challenge in that I had this desire to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't have a drive towards technology. So when I I did embark on a path where I went into strategy consulting and investment banking, when I was working at my first job, which was a strategy firm out of uh, Boston called Monitor Group, which is now Monitor Deloitte, I was one of the the individuals that i worked with was a graduate of the stanford graduate school of business stanford gsb and i remember one day i walked into his office and i saw a stapled photocopy book on the corner of his his desk and it said search fund bible do not copy do not distribute and of course you see something like that and you're gonna say okay i want to know what that is
1: now i gotta tell you so I happen to know what a search fund is, but most people don't know what a search fund is. So tell, keep keep going with the story, but also make sure you explain what a search fund is. Yeah, so
0: I, I asked my friend, what is this? Can I look at it? And he said, I'll let you take it to your desk and bring it back because I'm not supposed to let anyone see it. Since then, of course, they've changed their tune and you can go on to Stanford's website and you can download, they call it the search fund primer. Mm-hmm. Now they've, they've, uh, fixed some, that problematic language. Uh, and it's, it's, it's now available to anyone who wants to read about it. Well, and
1: there's, there's, uh, several search funds out there no there are it's
0: it's grown quite a bit in awareness and popularity as a career path and as a path towards entrepreneurship basically what a search fund is is you know there is at any given time about 10 trillion dollars in value in the us that's held in small privately held companies that are owned by founders who are looking to retire and they have two outstanding needs. One is to find a trusted successor and another one is to find someone to buy out the value that they have stored in their private company. A lot of these companies are too small for private equity firms, although that's changing as private equity tends to go down market as that asset class gets bigger and bigger. However, there still are companies that are too small for that, but that are a great size for an individual who has some experience some training some talent and is willing to uh, step into that role as a trusted successor so i became aware of this model and i said this is great this is entrepreneurship without technology it's also de-risking because obviously entrepreneurship has a high failure rate you've got market risk you've got technology risk you have team risk and when you're talking about buying an established company they have a track record by which you can see, is there a product market fit already there? Is there a a team that's already executing? And so from that perspective, you can, if you do it right uh, and and buy well, you can lower your odds of failure, increase your odds of success. Now, obviously, like the massive home run of Google's, you know, a, a Facebook startup or Snapchat or whatever, is is probably off the table if you go that direction. So you're kind of narrowing your band of outcomes when you go through entrepreneurship through acquisition. So I took that back to my desk. I read it front to cover and I was sold. I, that's what I was going to do. So when I went to business school, I was actually going down the path of doing a traditional search fund. In a traditional search fund, a prospective searcher, which is what they call the young entrepreneur, raises a small amount of capital that's used to support him he or she during a process by which they look for a company to acquire. The people who invest in the search then get the right of first, ref- uh, right of first refusal to invest in the company that they ultimately find, and the, the capital that they invested in the search process rolls into equity in the new company as well. So that's a traditional search model, and that's what I was looking to do when I went into business school in 2007, Obviously we know uh, what happened in 2007, the great recession happened, equity values plummeted, deal making kind of froze, and so did investment in in pure traditional search funds. So I put that on hold, which I'm very glad that I did. And I went out and, and went back into to investment banking, uh, did that for several years, had some success, built up some of my own capital, matured a little bit and felt a little bit more comfortable moving into that next phase. And so that's when I decided to launch a search fund. But rather than going and raising outside capital, I, uh, I funded the search myself. And then once I found the company, then I went and found uh, investors to help support the buyout. And that company ultimately turned out to be Eddie Line Kayaks.
1: What a great story. That is really good. So you've been running Eddie Line for five years and you recently took on a new partner. What does that mean for you in terms of where you see yourself going with this company next?
0: One of the reasons that we were really excited to bring on RCC is because we had a very strong alignment of philosophies. What I didn't want to do was find a partner who was looking to immediately sell because I believe that that changes how you run a business. We're looking to build and grow Eddie line well into the future. For me, one of the things that I absolutely love about Eddie line is that we're helping individuals create life-defining memories with their friends and family on the water. And it truly does feel like a calling. We've got so much opportunity in front of us with what we're doing on the innovation side and production and distribution that for me, it's an absolute, absolute privilege to go to work with, every day with the people that I work with and find ways to continue to change our industry, to push our industry forward in a way that ultimately I think is going to benefit so many people's lives, benefit the environment. And that's something that just gets me really excited and it's, and it's a passion and I'm excited to be in a position where we now have the resources that we can continue to move forward with that vision.
1: Well, Scott, congratulations on your amazing career and your tremendous success. And now um, your, your leadership at uh, Eddie Line Kayaks is very impressive. So thank you for, for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, I appreciate the invitation. It's been great chatting with you. On behalf of the Sam M. Walton College of Business, I wanna thank everyone for spending time with us for another engaging conversation. You can subscribe by going to your favorite podcast service and searching Be Epic, B-E-E-P-I-C.